Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. All right, so today my message is entitled, Excuse Me. And I'm not talking about sneezing, right? God bless you, excuse me, tight. No, 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 not at all. I'm talking about excuses. Please excuse me from doing this thing, whatever it might be. And I don't know about elsewhere in the world, but North Americans are masters of excuses, are we not? We know how to make a really excellent excuse. And Canadians in particular, we're known to be quite polite. And so we make them polite excuses. Let me give you an example. You've invited me to a party and I say, oh, that sounds fantastic. I would love to go. Oh, but you know what? I forgot. I've got something on already. I'm so sorry I can't make it to your cousin's third baby shower right? That sounds really nice, right? You, you know, you've been validated. It sounds like a great event. Contrast this with maybe this excuse. You've invited me to a party, and I say, oh, I don't know if I really like the people going to that party. I'd rather not go. It's a little, you know what? I've said the same thing, have I not? I said I'm not going to both of those, but the second one is actually a bit more true, <laughs> and it's because I haven't excused myself with a fake intention or a fake motive. One of my good friends, uh, she once told me, she said, I don't like to commit to plans just in case something better comes along. Who can relate to that? Oh, all the extroverts in the room, nice. (laughs) So today we're going to be looking at three different people. They come from Luke 9, and it's a kind of obscure passage. You've probably skimmed right over it before. Uh, But these three people, they have three distinct excuses about why they can't follow Christ. And I believe they actually genuinely desire to do that, just like we do, but they can't follow through. So let's read through it. It's Luke 9, starting in verse 57. It said, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So as we can see, all three of these men, I think, very genuinely desire to follow Christ, right? But their excuses... They miss the opportunity, and Jesus sees right through it. He sees their motives, he sees their intentions, and he cuts straight to the excuse. He says, nah, uh, uh, I know what you're really about. And I see these men hearing Jesus' response, and they just turn and walk away. He says, excuse me, Jesus, I'm out. They're not into it. And I believe God prompts us all the time. He gives us opportunities all the time, right? Not just to become followers of Christ, but continuously uh, be disciples and continuously give us God opportunities. Let me give you an example. This is from my own life. Uh, I was running through a graveyard one day, and no one thought that was weird? 
all right. <laughs> now, I was running on this trail, it just so happened to cut through uh, a graveyard at the very, very back, and uh, there's people around there, it always is, and I'm running by, and I see this lady, and I just notice her, and I have this thought come to me that says, I should go talk to that person, this heart feeling. And immediately I came up with an excuse. I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. No way, Jose. That's super weird. She's in a graveyard. She's probably visiting a grave. She doesn't want anyone talking to her. And I literally run away, right? Now, the trail I'm on, though, it wasn't a loop like this. It was more like a there and back scenario. (laughs) So I had to run through the graveyard again to get back home. And again, I see this lady and the same thing comes to me. I think I should go talk to her. And again, I have these excuses. Oh, I don't want to talk to her. I don't want to, I don't want to mess up her day. I don't want to bother her. But then I had another thought, like, wait, what if this is a God moment? Is this a God moment? So maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know her. She doesn't know me. There's some anonymity among here. So maybe I'll go for it. Maybe I'll go up. So I, I jog over to her, and I say, hey, how's it going? I don't know what to expect. This is weird. This is out of my comfort zone. Anyway, this lady is so excited to talk. She starts chatting away. She's actually not visiting someone, and I find out very quickly that she is actually hiding from her abusive ex-husband. And she says, the only place you won't follow me is in a graveyard. I thought, well, that's really weird, because I like running in the graveyard. <laughs> and so I'm, I can't believe it. I'm already here, and she's, she's hiding away. And then she says, I'm also building up my courage, because I'm about to go pick up my kid, and we're going to flee the city. She's running away. This is, I'm right at the cusp of this huge turning point in her life, and I'm thinking, I can't believe God brought me here. <laughs> I'm all sweaty. I'm out of breath. It's not a very dignified uh, conversation. But anyway, we have an amazing time together. We talk about God. We pray together. And we go our separate ways. She is so encouraged. And I'm so encouraged, too. And I thought, wow, I am so glad God gave me another opportunity. Aren't you? So I want to go through these three people, these three distinct excuses today, and I want to break them down, I want to modernize them a bit, because we still make these same excuses not to do what God is asking us to do. And let me be clear right off the bat, I don't want this to be condemnation uh, whatsoever about opportunities you've missed in the past. We've all missed opportunities, every single one of us. But I want you to think about, okay, what are some of the excuses I've made or I like to make? And I want you to be inspired next time to take that opportunity, not to let that excuse stop you. So I've got three points for each of the three characters, and I've named them. I've gone ahead, I've named them uh, because they're unnamed people. So we're looking at the three excuses of number one, Mr. Helter Skelter, number two, Mr. Dilly Dally, and number three, Mr. Wishy Washy. (laughs) Aren't you glad you came to church today? All right, so we're going to start with number one. That's Mr. Helter Skelter. And for those who aren't familiar with that term, it means he's rash, he's hasty. He's the kind of guy who would jump off a cliff without knowing what's at the bottom. And this guy in particular doesn't understand the cost he has to give up. And uh, we know from other places in scripture that he's actually a scribe. He would be a scholar. He's an expert in Mosaic law. He has a lot of potential. And he would have had a very high-ranking position among the Jewish people. And so this is the guy we're dealing with. Uh, Let's read his scripture again, starting in 57. 
Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I love this response because Mr. Helter Skelter doesn't even have to make his excuse. Jesus already knows. He looks at this fancy scribe in his fancy robes and he says, you know, we're camping, right? This isn't the Disney World tour. We're not staying at the Fort Gary Hotel. We are on the dirt every single day. Are you sure you're in? Are you sure? And of course, I imagine this guy, he's thinking, no, I'm not in. Excuse me, Jesus. I see him hopping in his Lamborghini and driving away. We never see him again. Or whatever they drove back in the day. Maybe a Maserati. I'm not sure. But something fancy, you know? And uh, it wasn't that his excuse was that he didn't want to go camping. It's that that wasn't his priority. Spiritual things weren't his priority. His priorities were things like status, money, comfort. That would be one. And he wasn't willing to give that up. Bible commentator uh, Matthew Henry, he says this of Mr. Helter Skelter. If we mean to follow Christ, we must lay aside the thoughts of great things in the world. And it's not that we won't necessarily have great things in the world, but it can't be our priority, right? You can't pursue both. So I've got a bit of a story for you. Uh, And maybe some of you can relate to this. Maybe when you came to, to Christ, you had to sacrifice something, right? You had to sacrifice maybe friends, maybe habits. Some of you had to sacrifice family, Particularly in Muslim culture, if they come to Christ, they are shunned by their family. That is a huge price to pay. Now, I had this uh, one guy, he came to young adults for a few years uh, back in the day, and he was on fire. He was so excited. He's a brand new Christian, and he wanted to get involved in everything. He wanted to volunteer, wanted to be part of Bible studies, wanted to do street evangelism, prophetic ministry. He was all in. And it was so exciting, right? Especially when you have a young guy like that. You know, okay, this guy has potential to go far. And he came from a real party background, uh, which isn't terribly uncommon with young adults. Uh, But anyway, he hadn't partied at all since he became a Christian. So one day, we're in home group together, and he tells the group, he's like, hey guys, I'd really love prayer. Uh, Tomorrow night, I'm going to a work party. It's the very first party I've been to since I became a Christian, and I'm a little bit nervous right? Because this is where he came from. He says, on the other side, I'm really excited because I'm going to get to tell my coworkers about Christ and what he's done for me, how he's changed me, and I'd really love prayer for tomorrow. And we said, yeah, absolutely we will. So anyway, he goes off. Next week, we all come back together again. And we ask him, so how was the work party? And he said, oh, you know what? It started off so well. You know, I, I started t- talking to my coworkers, what God's done in my life, how he's changed me. They were so impressed. They've seen the changes in me. He said, I feel like I really got through them. But then as the night went on, the temptation around him just got a little bit too strong. He started with one drink, then he had two, then he had three, then he had four, five, six. And by then in the night, he was completely out of control. He was slopping drunk. He was blacking out. He had completely reverted back to his party life. And remember, this is a work function. This is, isn't just like a club. This is a work function. All of his coworkers see him do this. And I'll never forget what he said he, he, when he told us. He said, yeah, I probably wasn't the best witness. 
You don't say. <laughs> and you know what? There is a lot of grace, especially for new Christians. We all fail. We all make really bonehead moves from time to time, hopefully less and less as we walk on this journey together. But that ended up being his vice in the end. He actually was only with us a year, maybe two years, and he, he couldn't stick with it because he wasn't willing to give up that life. That party lifestyle was what he wanted, and he, he missed out. And I think it's a real shame because like Mr. Helter Skelter, he had so much potential but hadn't considered the cost. Are you prepared for what it might cost to follow God? Are you prepared to give up perhaps dignity, habits, friends, money? Just want to leave that with you there. So our first one is Mr. Helter Skelter. Our second one is Mr. Dilly Dally. So let's read his verse starting in 59. It says, Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Mr. Dilly Dally, he's a procrastinator, right? Oh, sorry, I've got this thing. It actually doesn't matter what the thing is. He just has it first, right? And uh, if you're serious about Christ, though, you'll go when he asks you to go. Uh, Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There's two important parts in that scripture. If you understand what the will of the Lord is, you will make the best use of your time. Amen. So there's a story from the American Revolution in 1776. Uh, there was a colonel by the name of Johann Rahl. Uh, he was a German fighting for the British troops, and he was stationed in Trenton, New Jersey. And his opponent, of course, was General George Washington, uh, the, leading the American Continental Army. So anyway, they're not currently at war. They're not currently fighting anything like that. They're holding Trenton, and it's Christmas Day, and he's playing cards with one of his buddies when the courier comes in with a message. He takes the message, and he puts it in his pocket, puts it away, finishes his game, I don't know, maybe five, ten minutes later, who knows really, and uh, he pulls out the message, he opens it up, and it's an urgent message. General George Washington has crossed the Delaware River. He is heading straight for Trenton, straight for him to attack. And he is caught on his heels. He is not prepared. He tries to muster his troops, but they're all disorganized. It's an absolute sham. Uh, Of course, what happened was General George Washington killed a whole bunch of their troops, including uh, Johann Rahl himself, and captured the rest of the regiment. Absolute disaster. And it's, it's interesting because there's only five, ten minutes, right, that he procrastinated, but he needed to act on it. And he missed his opportunity to act because he delayed. Now, I want to modernize this a bit. Let's bring it home a bit. Most of us aren't at war. Most of us don't go to funerals, except if you're Pastor Steve. He has one every other week. Uh, that's not our regular excuses. Uh, here's some of the stuff that we say. I'll put it up on the screen here. I'll find a church when I'm done school. I'll volunteer when my kids are older. I'm not spiritually mature enough to be a leader yet. I'll tithe once I start making more money. 
I'll get plugged into my church again when COVID is over. Ooh, a little spicy in here. It's a little provocative. (laughs) And I put these ones up because I've actually heard every single one of these excuses, uh, even within the last year. And I think we can relate to at least one of these on the screen. Just as a bit of a side note, some of you saw the tithing one. You're like, is that really an opportunity? It doesn't really seem like one. And let me tell you, it is, because it's an opportunity uh, for you to put your money where your faith is money where your heart is. And because I don't know if you know, but the ties here go to so many amazing things. They go to ministries. They go to parachurch ministries like Youth for Christ, Crisis Pregnancy Center. They go to missions. They go to Bible translation. It's incredible what your tithe does for the kingdom of God. And I just want to thank those who have already figured this out and, uh, and have probably already reaped the benefits of that, both with your money and with your faith. So thank you for doing that. As a side note, I have that conversation a lot with young adults. Um, They they come to me. I I try not to bring it up too often. Uh, But they'll say, you know, this is something I want to figure out. I want to figure out tithing. I feel like God wants me to do it, but I don't have any money. What student does, right? They work, you know, maybe in the summer, they make 3,000 bucks, and they're like, I don't have enough money to give. Maybe when I'm, I'm making more. And I always say, well, sure, like you could do that. I said, but it's going to be a lot harder. I said, think about it. Right now, tithing 10% would be $300. I say, you don't even have to start with $300. Do 50. I don't care. (laughs) But just show that you're faithful and God will be faithful back to you. I said, how much harder is it going to be when you start making tens of thousands of dollars? I said, it's going to be so much harder to start getting that habit now if you can. Anyway, that's just a side note about that. But uh, I'm sure we've all had at least one of these excuses before. So let me tell you a story. Uh, several years ago, we started the singles ministry here. But before that, uh, we, didn't, we didn't really have one. We'd had one a long time ago in the past, uh, but we hadn't had anything. And I decided I was brand new at the church to put on a singles conference. And I wanted it to be 18 plus. And I thought, okay, most people, they're probably going to be like, 20 to 30, you know, that's the sweet spot for singles, right? So we put on this conference. We had 300 people attend, super successful. Half of those people were over the age of 30. And I thought, huh, well, that's not what I expected. And I started looking up afterwards. I'm like, so where do these people go? Like, what church do they go to? Is there a singles ministry for them? What is there? And I searched and searched and searched for singles groups. And guess how many I found? I found one. I found one. I didn't find zero. I found one in the entire province (laughs) for those over the age of 30. And I had this put on my heart. I'm like, I should start a singles ministry. And so we did that. It happened. I had a ton of support from senior leadership to go for it. And I have a ton of fun. It's called Focus uh, Singles. If you're in that age group over 30, I would love for you to be part of that. But here's where the ball drops. I started a 30-plus singles ministry when I was 23. What should have been my excuse? I'm not old enough. I'm not old enough. I'm not 30. (laughs) I actually had a million excuses. I'm not old enough. I'm not mature enough. Who's going to want to follow someone who's their kid's age? Would you? Well, I guess people do. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm so glad I did it, though, because if I had waited till I was a 30-plus single, we would have been waiting forever. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in, in reality, I'm really, really grateful for senior leadership for pushing me through my excuses, because even though it didn't feel like the right time, God was calling me to it then. And I'm so glad it happened, because I don't think it would have if I hadn't started it then. Now, yeah, we want to talk about the timing, right? Because our timing is, or God's timing is perfect, even though it's not usually our timing. There was a farm boy. He accidentally overturned his wagon. It was full of corn. There's corn all over the road. And his neighbor comes by and asks, oh, hey, like, I'd be happy to help you. But first, why don't you come back? I'll make you supper. You can kind of reset, relax a bit, and then I'll come help you. And the boy says, oh, I don't know. I think Pa's going to be really mad if I, if I don't do this right away. And neighbor's like, no, come on, Willis. Come on. Let's go back. I'll help you with it later. It'll be fine. Your, your dad won't be mad. Willis is like, okay. I'll do it, but I think Pa's going to be really mad about it. So the two of them, they go off, they have supper, and eventually Willis is like, okay, I I think i got to go. I just know Pa's going to be really furious about it. And the neighbor's like, he will be fine. Just relax, all right? Where's your dad anyway? To which Willis says, he's under the wagon. (laughs) Do not delay (laughs) or you might have a really angry father on your hands Uh, but our natural inclination is to delay hard things right you delay those hard phone calls that you have to make for work or those hard emails or that hard project we try to push it off but if we do that with Jesus he's going to make the the answer for us he's going to say no you're not in because you are not ready All right, so we've talked about Mr. Helter Skelter. Uh, I've talked about Mr. Dilly Dally. And number three is Mr. Wishy-Washy. Let's read his scripture, starting verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I can really relate to this one. I have a pet peeve uh, that if you are at a party or a gathering, whatever, you always find the host at the end of the night, you thank them, you say goodbye, then you leave in that order. You see that? You don't just leave. (laughs) You know, young adults in particular are really bad at this. I would host stuff and people would just leave. I'd be like, oh, hey, where did Steve go? And so he said, oh, Steve left an hour ago. I'm like, why? Why didn't he say goodbye? It's like something that really gets my goat. I don't know if anyone else relates to that, but that's something I will always do because it just gets me. It's, you know, it's something that's just common respect. I don't know what I think about it. Young adults, do better. (laughs) So I, I totally relate to this excuse. But here's the thing. If... So Mr. Wishy-Washy, he's going to go back to his family and say goodbye, so I can respect that, but he might not come back, right? He's going to go, he's going to talk to his friends and family, and they'll be like, oh, are you sure you should do that? And he'll be like, oh, I don't know, should I? He's going to have this back and forth debate. By that point, Jesus will be super far away. He won't be able to join him anyway. Compare that with the disciples, right? Jesus comes to them, and he says, follow me. What do they do? They drop their nets 
and they follow him. They don't even clean up after themselves. They're slobs, the disciples. But that is the commitment that they have. They are ready to choose him. You've probably heard of the scripture from Revelation 3.16. It says, So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's what God thinks of wishy-washy people. He says, you're either in or you're out. I don't want you if you're lukewarm. There's this fantastic story. Some of you might be familiar with the Italian opera tenor by the name of Luciano Pavarotti. Any of you know him? Yeah, he's very, very famous, actually. He passed away in 2007 and, of course, did opera for a good chunk of his life and then in the later season of his life became very, very popular because he moved more into pop music. But he, t- he told the story about how he got into opera. He said as a young boy, his father, who was a baker, he wasn't in the musical world whatsoever, his father introduced him to music and really encouraged him to develop his voice. He must have had a pretty good voice even as a boy. So he found him a tutor and he started practicing and studying with that tutor. And then he eventually started teacher's college as well to maybe be a vocal coach himself one day. Anyway, he finishes teacher's college, and he goes back to his father, and he says, Dad, I don't know what to do. Should I become a performer, or should I be a teacher? I don't know which one to choose. To which his father says, Luciano, if you, mu- you have two chairs before you. If you try to sit in the middle, you will fall between them both. Choose one chair. And so he did. And he studied for seven more years, and then he had his first professional appearance at that point. Seven years later, that's quite the commitment, right? He did that another seven years until he made it to the Metropolitan Opera. He committed to it. And later on, this is what Luciano said. He said, and now I think, whether you're laying bricks or anything, anything else in life, you must choose one chair. Commitment, that's the key. Choose one chair. Are you choosing one chair? Is Jesus your one chair? Because if you don't choose him, if you try to balance between two different things, you're going to fall in between. So we've gone through these three different guys, right? Mr. Helter Skelter, Mr. Dilly Dally, and Mr. Wishy Washy. And I hope that you have grabbed onto at least one of those things, that something has resonated with you. And I think it has for all of us, though. My question for you is, are you in or are you out? Are you going to make an excuse or are you going to let God give you incredible opportunities? Because he will and you're going to be blown away with what he does. You know, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. So today, just like every other day, I want to give the opportunity for those to make the decision to come and follow Christ. I talked a lot about excuses today, of course, and some of you, I think, here today have been making excuses not to make that decision, not to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And I want to give you the opportunity to do it today, and I pray you take it. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, uh, if this is you, if you want to make this decision, come to Christ today, I want you to just raise your hand, and once I've seen it, you can put it down. Raise your hand. Is there anyone here who would like to make Jesus their Lord and Savior today? Yeah, thank you.
Okay. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to ask everyone to say this prayer together with me uh, so we don't single anyone else out. Okay. So, dear Heavenly Father, I come before you. I know I've made excuses in the past, but today I choose you. From today on, you are my Lord and Savior, and I want to say yes to the opportunities you have for me. Thank you for your forgiveness and that I have new life in you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.